Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A Wiggins. Fuck that other side, bitch. We stay winning. Oh man, you know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Yeah. Suits and ties yelling out, pay the guys, man. I had to do it for you. Welcome to the Blitz with Robbie Chris. Rob, what do you do? Listen, that's that draft day. We had the lottery the other night. It's going to be a big draft day for them Detroit Pistons coming up soon. Yeah, they first time since the late 1970s when they took uh, Bob Lanier. I don't know if you saw uh, your boy Jalen Rose was bucking. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. He was, a, he was a little bit too excited, in my opinion, just given the nature of the NBA, man. It's more and more feels like a developmental league to me. And I'm surprised considering, like, he's a former NBA player. Like, I know he's from Detroit, but he didn't play for the Pistons. So it right. just, it's, it's good to see, but uh, right. it was surprising. He, apparently, he bought 50 shots for, like uh, – Everybody at the bar? At, at, yeah, no, everybody at the Phoenix game, like fans. fans. He bought 50 shots. He was so bucked. Uh, G. Williams said that on the radio this morning. Sound like us when we was in Austin for the uh, <laughs> LSU game. <laughs> Random boys out of patrol. Right. But, Speaking uh, of which, I got to shout out my boy, one of my one of my boys, longtime friends, taking on a job, uh, strength and conditioning coach at Nickel State. My boy Frank Bourgeois. I will be in attendance to some games this year. I haven't quite figured out the schedule. I know they play Memphis to start the season on ESPN, I believe, and I think they got a, a UL Lafayette game. I, I told him I want my sideline pass. Right, I would say Frank. Look, Manny Passing Academy in July. <laughs> make it happen. Let's make it, it happen. Uh, What's been going on, bro? What you got going on? Nothing much. You know, it's Miami, man. These, you know, these streets are always, yeah, you know, these streets are always uh, out and open. Every weekend, I feel like somebody's, I got somebody texting me right now, old law school classmate asking me, you know, where to go for the weekend, what restaurants, friend of hers birthday, uh, they coming down for, so. That's what's up. That's what's up. But look, let's jump into it. You got a lot to talk about. Uh, I, I don't think we can start anywhere but we got to start a couple. Okay, I don't think we can start anywhere but the past, right? It's becoming known as the past. Um, talking none other than Ben Simmons with the 76ers. They lose game seven at home in Philadelphia against the up and coming Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Joel Embiid came out, sold his man out, said that the turning point in that game was when uh, Simmons passed up a dunk to drop it off because um, he was so afraid to get fouled. You know what was weird about that? I saw like that clip from that interview was highlighted on ESPN, the Instagram page, plus the Doc clip where Doc also threw him under the bus and said, I don't know if he can be a point guard on a right. championship basketball team. And then the next day, the Joel and B clip was taken down and I was trying to, I was kind of having a hard time finding it in different places. But yo, when you throw your teammate under the bus on that level, you just got to stand by it. Shaq took it a step further and was like, if he was on my team, I'd have punched him in the face when he came in a lot. <laughs> And I was just like, yo, I, at first I felt bad, but I don't know if you saw Stephen A. Smith claims he got a text message from a unnamed source who basically is like, he doesn't listen to anybody. He's spoiled everybody around him, his family, and they don't, nobody holds him accountable. Right. I know I sent you guys in our group chat, a Twitter link that I had seen, you know, like maybe two summers ago from some of the open runs that they were doing. Cause LeBron, I think was hosting some open runs. I know Devin Booker was out there. A lot of guys were out there, but Ben Simmons, was shooting his ass off in those open runs, mm-hmm. pulling up one leg, three pointers, all kind of stuff. And um, so it just kind of boggled my mind. I know the in game, the pressure hits, the def- defense is harder in a real game than an open run. But the idea that he can't shoot at all is just something that never sat well with me. Just given if you can hit those shots, some of the, the open shots that he passed on just become ridiculous. And as to the specific pass, the specific shot, that's a 6'10 brother underneath the rim. You know what I mean? There was yeah. just no excuse for that pass. He, I mean, I, obviously he had no confidence. My thing right. with Embiid is like he was so carefully crafting his words. I'm like, bro, if you're gonna throw your teammate under the bus, fucking just do it. Right. Like yeah. just call it. Right. It's his fault we left the game. Right. The nigga passed up a dunk to drop right. it off, and and, and got then we only got one point in the possession. Right. But weren't there like three point three minutes left in the game at that point? It was. And then the following possession, what he didn't say is he turned the ball over. I mean, Trey Young dropped ass spin move. Yeah. <laughs> he tried to do where the ball got poked out. Yeah. Trey Young dropped a three in the ass, and then he was down six. And that yeah. was the game. That I mean, was when the game was over, right? 
he had eight turnovers that game. And he um, missed free throws, I think, in the last minute of the game also. Um, yeah. You know, it was unclear. I think at that point it was like he missed two free throws. It was unclear if he missed the second one at that point to try to get the rebound because they were down by, I think, double more than yeah, one possession. Cool, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you know, you, he needed to make both. I think they were down six at that point. So he needed to make both. He's either six or four. But I, either way, he had more meaningful – failures in the last two minutes than Ben Simmons did. But the argument is that's because Ben Simmons refuses to allow himself to be in a position uh, to make those mistakes. I think the stat was out there just about how many shots he took in the fourth quarter of those last three games. And it was something like maybe four total. His uh, he, shooting percentages were terrible. Um, he in took the zero quarter. shots in, in the fourth quarter of the last four games. Gotcha. Um, so he, I mean, it was obvious, but in saying that the next day, like you mentioned, like MB's comments were hard to find doc came out and said they got a plan on, on, uh, working with his jump shot, which I think is more of a ploy because you're trying to trade him. Right. So you don't want to be like, you can't win with him. So now you got a plan for him for the summer, but what's his future? Do you, do you see him on the team start training camp? Some people say he was trying to angle his way out of town. Right. Um, uh, and, and specifically, he's trying to angle his way to L.A., the whole Rich Paul thing. Uh, that's who, you know, he's clutch sports client and everything. I don't necessarily believe or buy that, but um, I think his days in Philly are over. I mean, who wants to go back there? They were burning his jersey outside the arena. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that was a bit much, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. Like, nobody right. wants to see your face. He's, he's at a point where I think they will probably boo him every possession. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, who wants to play like that? Who can – who can if if, if – Already mentally, you're all messed up. You know, that's that's no place for him to be. I just don't know. He's already, you know, got this huge contract. He's the second high, highest paid player on that team. The question is, what the what's the market for him? Right, right. Because not only do you have a team that have that that has to want him, but like, what can you get in return for him? And then, does a team who wants him want to pay him? Like, I think he's due like another hundred million dollars over the next four years. Yeah, I mean, his deal was five years, one hundred and seventy-seven million. So. so. Yeah, he's due like another 130 over the next right. four years. So right. who wants to take that on? Um, I, I think the other aspect of, of the, the loss, though, in a series that they should have won, right? They should have won 4-1. Atlanta shouldn't have won, you know, games four or five. But mm. it was the lack of adjustments, right, by Doc Rivers. Um, Josh Smith came out on Twitter calling him out. So uh, that's why that man's wife is trying to leave. <laughs> Because he don't know how to make halftime adjustments, in-game adjustments. Uh, like there was a little sexual innuendo there. I don't know. PG-13 say that man can't make adjustments. That's why he was released from the Clippers. And, and, and to counter that, Ty Lue clearly made some adjustments and flipped the whole series down 2-0 and comes back and wins 4-2 without his best player in two of those games. So it does kind of like boom in your face juxtaposition of like somebody – counter punching versus somebody who's showed an inability to counter punch my response to that that i was talking to you about off the pot was it's really hard to counter punch when you got a guy on your team making 177 million dollars over five years who doesn't take shots in the fourth quarter like you i'm kind of hamstrung i get it he didn't win with paul george and them arguably though that team that denver team that was a good team you know what i mean like they took yeah. the lakers to the brink so right. That and the Lakers were the eventual champions, so that wasn't a bad team that he lost to there. Um, here, in games five through seven in that series, they had double digit leads. And when you got a guy like Paul George and Kawhi who who shot like what I think they they shot like eight for something, you know, like they they both shot under 40 percent in game seven of the, uh that series. Like, and I, if I recall correctly, Paul George had an open three where he hit the side of the backboard, like, yes, and we're gonna get to Paul George a little bit later, you know, but you can't necessarily coach somebody out of not being clutch but i will say though the idea of losing double digit leads is something that then again came up in this series right was that game six that they blew the big lead uh against the the hawks in this series i mean they blew leads in that was game four and five games four they were up 18 game five i think they were up like 26 Right. It got it was yeah, the 26 point lead is the one that I was talking about. And I think I looked away for a second and looked back and they were and I had to rewind to watch every possession to see the failure on every single possession to understand how could they possibly have blown such a large lead. And when you watched it like the way I was watching it after rewinding it, it does kind of creep up on you. But that's what you get paid for as a coach, man. Like you simply cannot have that happen. Like Atlanta need every single second of that game to orchestrate that comeback almost made me feel like the 
uh, Patriots Atlanta Super Bowl where it's like, man, if you'd have got a first down here or there, you still win this game. Like, how do you, how do you mess this up? Yeah, I mean, it was, he's got to he's got to accept some of this blame, but I'm just not ready to write him off with this roster. It's a roster he'd inherited. Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, to be your second and third best player, they they have some holes in their game. Yeah, and then you know, you just you had to start playing Seth Curry a lot to get shooting, but then you lost the defense because Danny Green, just like we've talked, he's not what you know. He used to be right, and even then, he was probably an eight to nine point a game score. Seth Curry's giving you thirty at a certain point. Well, now you got to play him. <laughs> right. You got to give him real minutes. Uh, he was the only person with an outside shot that they could put the ball in his hands uh, when they needed a three pointer. So now you got to keep him out there. And then defensively, he's getting embarrassed by, <laughs> you know, my boy uh, Opie, uh, Kayvon Herder. I think that's what they call. Him. <laughs> that's what they call him in Atlanta. It ain't Kevin Herder. It's Kayvon. Uh, K apostrophe. Uh, but he was lighting Seth Curry's ass up. You know, it's just complications. <laughs> now you got to make these offensive de- defensive substitutions. Listen, man, when you when you when you have three max players and Seth Curry as your best perimeter scorer, got <laughs> <laughs> a problem. Right. You got a problem. Poorly right. constructed roster. Yes. And Doc yeah. don't have nothing to do with how that roster was constructed. So yeah, we're gonna see. We're gonna see. But with all that being said, there's going to be some changes in Philly. I think more than anything, my man Ben Simmons need to go see a sports psychologist more than working on a jump shot because it's obviously obvious to me he didn't have any confidence. Uh, but he also needs to work on that broke-ass jumper too. I'm not saying. Not giving yeah. him a pass. I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta has some depth, right? Like, they got they some did. shooters. Yeah. Kyle Nari, you know, Lou Williams coming off the bench. That's, you know, they got some even, even in their starters, Bogdanovich, Herter. You know, guys, Trey Young, if you step away from them, that's three guys who if you step away from at the three-point line, they're going to knock the three down. And then when you come in, in with guys like Alonara, Lou Williams, same thing. Like, you can't leave those guys uh, open at the three-point line. Now, we, we thought we were going to be talking about the 76ers and the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. Both the asses got knocked out. So let, let's move crazy on to the time. Nets loss. That's, crazy it's time. crazy. Bro. Let's, let's talk about mm-hmm. the Nets because I, I think they missed the prime opportunity to win it all this year. Um, just due to you know injuries and bad luck. But what's your thoughts on KD's performance, specifically game five through game seven? Listen, I thought KD did enough to where I can't place the blame on him for the loss. All right. What I'm not going to do is be one of these people who sits up here and says, no fault lays at the feet of KD. He couldn't have done anything more. Well, he could have done something more. He could have hit the game winner, right? He airballed that. Um he also listen, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna to be honest. I'm gonna go straight to all the LeBron arguments, right? Because when LeBron loses, these are all the things that we say, right? Like, this is a roster he constructed. He yeah. picked all the people he played with. He picked the coach that he's playing with, and this is what happens when you construct when you construct a top heavy roster. And we talked about it before the season. He constructed a top heavy roster with injury prone players, right? right? The idea that Kevin, that Kyrie Irving got hurt and the idea that James Harden was hurt shouldn't surprise anyone because James Harden came into the season out of shape, Yep. right? That was the whole issue was that he was out of shape. He was out of shape, and that's what got him run out of Houston, or how he got himself out of Houston. Kyrie, we've seen LeBron have to play multiple postseasons by himself because Kyrie was hurt, so he's a smaller guy. Um, no fault of his own. It was a freak injury, but – my fault is you missed the game winner. And quite frankly, more than him missing that game winner was the shot that he took, right? Because he could have taken another two to take it into overtime. I thought it was a poor shot selection, and he airballed it, which further evidences the fact that it was a poor shot selection. And um, I just thought he was worn out. He was tired, and he just wanted to end it. But in any other superstar like Michael Jordan, like we would give them hell for that. Like right. you lost the series on a shot. That was an air ball, right? right exactly. I get that he tied it to go to overtime. I get that. And he was a few inches away from winning the game. But he shot an air ball. And he went 0 for 6 in overtime. Right. No, o- They scored two points in overtime. Right. And I think Bruce Brown scored those two points. Yep, he all did. Right? So, and, and then we do all this talking about Kyrie and Blake. I'm sorry, about Kyrie and, and uh, whatchamacallit. Harden. Um, Harden. And we act like Blake Griffin isn't on the scene. Yep. Right. And we act like we didn't see a resurgence in Blake Griffin where he was scoring 20 points a game. So you still had another guy out there who was capable of scoring some points and stuff like that. I'm, I just can't give you 
the complete pass that I feel like he's getting in the media right now. Yeah, I mean, like, imagine if I told you LeBron dropped 49 <laughs> in game five to win it without, you know, his two other stars or with one out, one injured. Um, then in game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals, LeBron went over six in overtime and airballed the, the game winning shot. Yeah, like he nobody would, get would be, yeah, he wouldn't care about the end of the regulation. He would get shot. destroyed. And so, like, the fact that, like, we gave we gave KD his credit last week, right? We said he dropped 49, game five. Nobody thought he could do it. Uh, Harden only scored two points. But, and we, we, we said, we said it ourselves, like, he did more than we expected. But to me, like, that was one game. Game seven, he had a great game as well. But when you lose in the Eastern Conference semifinals, to me, that can't impact your legacy significantly. The second round of the playoffs, and you lose you lose the series like i mean it was a great run but i can't give you a pass in, in the eastern conference semifinals also think about this what we're really talking about right Kyrie went down with him up 2-0 yes all he had to do was win two more games right. which which is what paul george did right For right and what he ended up doing was going one and three yeah right and so he's getting this huge pass because of the amount of points he scored. Oh, he couldn't have done anything else. He couldn't have done anything else. At the end of the day, he lost Kyrie Irving. He still had James Harden, albeit not fully healthy. But he went one of three. There's a whole separate conversation that probably needs to be had about the amount of minutes that him and James Harden were playing that kind of put them in the situation that they were in. But that, to me, still comes back to the same argument we always make about LeBron James. You pick that coach. Right. Yes. And you specifically picked a coach that was going to pretty much allow you to have free reign. And the way Steve Nash was hugging his ass after the game, <laughs> game five, five performance, it told me everything I needed to know. This ain't got no plan. Right. He, he is riding. Is yeah. He's going to ride Kevin Durant into the ground. That's the only plan he has. So, I mean, they had like a seven or eight man rotation by that point. So real quick, I think like this series reminded me was very reminiscent of when. KD and LeBron met in the finals when it was the Cavs and the, and the Golden State Warriors and everybody. KD wanted the credit for outplaying LeBron when KD clearly had the better team. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what this series reminded me of, right? Like KD was better than, than um, Giannis, but Giannis had the better team, you know, based right. on injuries and stuff like that. So I just feel like we talk a lot about how KD outplayed LeBron in those two finals. But I, I think when you look at the totality of the teams, like that's that impact that has an impact on the outcome. And so, like, so here's another question. Kyrie is hurt coming into the series, let's say, for example, the same way LeBron had to play a finals without him and Kevin Love, right? Mind you, no injured Kevin Love, no injured second or third best player. Right. No, right. If Kevin Durant comes into that series with this same scenario based on what we saw, they probably lose this series in five games. Yeah. Right. Because he would have the same amount of energy he expended in game five to get a win. He probably would have expended in game one and then it would have impacted every game thereafter. So what would we be saying if that series was a 4-1 series? Will we still be praising Kevin Durant? The fact of the matter is I think he's getting a little bit of praise for it going seven games. But the reality is they won the first two with Kyrie. So right. what we're really talking about is he gets a lot of praise for game five and then. Game seven would give him a lot of praise, not only for his performance, but for the shots to tie the game and saying, oh, if it was another inch, listen, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know. Right. I, exactly. I, I, I got to – he has to be dinged a little bit for a second-round loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, like, in saying that, too. Who, he needs to be cheering for the Milwaukee Bucks to win the final. <laughs> right. And, and to me, like, I don't think Nash is getting enough credit, uh, credit for the loss. Right. Game seven loss, right? So I want to talk a little bit about that because KD, so essentially Nash played seven players games five through seven. KD mm -hmm. played 48, 40, and 53 minutes respectively in the last three games. Harden played 46, 40, and 53 minutes respectively in the last three games with a bad hamstring. So at that point, like what coaching are you doing? Because you're not substituting. Yeah, players are exhausted in games. And, and and Kevin Durant, it got to the point where he was actually taking the ball down court. Yeah. So, like, in overtime and in the fourth quarter, it was literally just inbounded to Kevin Durant and everybody. No offense. Right. No offense. None like, whatsoever. James Harden turned into Ben Simmons. He would cross half court and literally just give the ball right. to, to, uh, to, to KD.
And just think about some of the guys we saw. I mean, I, I know Tyler Johnson just from when he played with the Heat, and I, I would go to those games. So you had him on the bench. You gave essentially no minutes. Uh, Timote Luawa Cabarro. I don't recall seeing him play much in the playoffs, but during the regular season, he had some games where he would, you know, got hot from behind the arc. He's long. He could play defense. I thought you were uh, speaking another language, man. African brother, bro. I mean, you got to make fun of this man's name. Mike James. All right. We saw Mike James like a few weeks ago was all over sports center highlights yeah. going off. Right. And then DeAndre Jordan and Nicholas Claxton, who, you know, they're six, eleven, seven foot each. And you you just decided to go small and you didn't abandon that at all for any length of time in any of those games. I mean, those are like four guys I just named that or five guys, actually, that you could have at least used to spell people like Joe Harris. I mean, because Joe Harris, a lot of people are blaming him because he missed some open shots, and he's like, you know, the guy you're looking at to be your spot-up three-point shooter. Everybody else gets drawn in, he knocks down a three. But I don't think they were necessarily discussing the fact that, like, he was out there for a lot of minutes. And now he's out there a lot of minutes, a lot of those minutes he's spending covering Middleton and stuff like that, you know, depending on who he picks up, or Holiday, depending who he picks up off of a screen or something like that. So all of those guys were gassed. It affected everybody down the stretch. And I think, like you said, if not substitutions and, and lineups um, adjustments, what are you doing as a coach? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think where he really lost it was game six because to play hard in 40 minutes and KD 40 minutes coming off of how many minutes they played in game five, knowing you had a game seven back in – in uh Brooklyn, like I'm not saying you throw away game six, but you go in knowing that you're at a severely disad, you know, severe disadvantage. Um, because you know you know Harden's not healthy and you know KD just gave everything he had to, to get you a game to try to get you a game five win. So mm -hmm. I, I just thought that was a bad uh I thought that was a bad move. Um and then before moving on, I want to talk a little bit about the Nets, like just in terms of did they could they have possibly missed their window, right? Like, you know, if all three are healthy next year, they're going to make a run. But at this point, I think what put them over the top this year was they went in with just KD and Kyrie. Mm. People weren't sure if they were going to be able to trade for Harden. They get Harden, which clearly makes them the best team, the best big three in the league. But now that you have a season, an offseason, teams can reload. Can LeBron and, and AD bring in somebody to give them a third star? Uh, you know, will the Bucks bring in any more help? Just so so now you just give Clippers. Will they add anything? Like now you just give teams more time to game plan against those big three in Brooklyn. Yeah, everybody's so gonna I, be going looking for that third star. Exactly. So I just don't know. Like, what does that look like? Um, or or if they have a shot, at, you know, will they ever win a championship? And then what what happens to that team? How does that team look that you know long term if they don't win? So yeah, this I was mean, the, clearly the year for them. Right. I mean, the, so DeAndre Jordan is is. Somebody who's making, you know, like 10 million. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is on his way out. I think he's opting out. Okay. Um, so that'll clear a roster spot. Somebody, you know, some some may extra 10, 12 million. Uh, I would imagine DeAndre Jordan, they're gonna probably try to find a way to move on from him. Mm -hmm. Everybody else on their roster, all these other guys, Jeff Green, Landry Shaman, all those guys basically league minimum guys, because your money's all tied up in your big three. Um right. so to the extent that they can add any other pieces, it's probably going to have to come with the parting ways with uh, Jordan and Dimwitty. But who knows what's out there to, you know, to, to fill those spots. To your point, I mean, you know, we're talking about three guys who are going to all be on the other side of 30 next year. Uh, yep. Kyrie, Kevin, and, and James Harden, and two of whom, you know, or all three of whom have had some injuries in their Major past. injuries, so, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so it'll be interesting. I know the Lakers, it's already rumors. I mean, I think Magic Johnson was talking real bad about Schroeder, so and he he chose not to to re up. So can imagine he's on his way out the door. There's rumors Russell Westbrook may be interested. His wife, they say, follow the follows. The wife followed, I think, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So there's rumors that maybe they're trying to recruit the family to come back out to LA. That's where Russell Westbrook is from, UCLA alum. Yep. Uh, also saw some rumors I posted on our Instagram page. People talking about Kristaps Porzingis again. Follow the follows. Uh, uh, Kuzma took the Los Angeles Lakers off of his Instagram profile page. So now it just says that he's a basketball player. It doesn't say for the Lakers. And it's been well expressed that he's frustrated with his role. He wants to go somewhere where he can get a bigger role. Uh, I say good riddance. I'm about to say I'm frustrated with this sad yeah. ass plan. I'm right. I mean, because the reality is how you can use like him and Schroeder. Anthony Davis went down and neither one of y'all stepped up. So right. like, I don't understand you. You 
the opportunity that it seems like you would have wanted arose and, and you weren't there to seize the opportunity. So that's just my opinion. But point being, you're going to – the Clippers are still in the playoffs right now. It's looking more and more like they're going to be gone pretty soon if Kevin uh, – I'm sorry, if um, Kawhi Leonard don't find his way back. And I tend to – I kind of think maybe he tore his ACL and they just don't want to tell us. Yeah. yeah. And I they're going to, like, announce off-season surgery, you right. know, after the season ends and just not say anything. Um and Which, that's that's another major injury for him. Like, how does that impact his? Right. You know, because now you're talking about he probably misses the start of the season. Right. You know, and, and then you you were already low managing, and it didn't exactly. work. Like you low managed in the last two years, and he still tears another ACL. Now you got to start thinking about what his long term future is. How much longer his knees hold up? Um, okay. But you know, you took it. You look at a team like Phoenix. The way they're surging right now, you know, Scott could be the limit for them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They're, I feel like they're getting lucky with everybody they're playing having injuries, but like once you're you're young and your confidence starts to surge, you know we talked about that with football before, like Tom Brady and, and Patrick Mahomes stuff. You get those championships out the way early, and all of a sudden your confidence builds up, and you got this roster that's clicking and people under long term contracts. You never know. And I, I mean, I would lo- I don't think Westbrook fits the Lakers that well, but could you imagine a Lakers Nets Finals? Westbrook getting to go up against Harden and KD. Mm. And- Mm, yeah, and Westbrook on Kyrie. I mean, you talking about like strength on strength, yeah. athleticism versus skilled right. defender versus a, a great ball handler, and um, Kevin Durant versus LeBron James. I mean, that would just be that would be a dream matchup. The, the X factor then obviously becomes Anthony Davis. Like that's what we were talking about all all season. Who's going to guard Anthony Davis? And right. if something like Kristaps Porzingis happens then I think it's the Lakers championship to lose because he gets to park out at the five as, as a five gets to park out at the three point line and hit spot up three pointers. That, that'd be crazy. And then RIP to my man, Donovan Mitchell, bro. Just another like, you know, early round exit after a two Oh lead. And, and, and they had a three, one lead last year against Denver. And I, I mean, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert is just getting exposed, bro. As is a playoff center. He just can't, you go small ball. He can't defend. And he doesn't have the post, offensive game to punish um, the other team to punish the other team for doing it like like mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton is doing so I, I think the Utah Jazz I'm not sure what they can do because I think Gobert is a, a max player given that he's a a three-time NBA defensive player of the year um but it just doesn't it doesn't fit in today's game in the playoffs listen it goes back to the Ben Simmons conversation it's really easy we talked about it to blame a coach for lack of adjustments but when the adjustment potentially requires you to bench your second highest played player on the roster, you're probably not supposed to win that series. That's exactly. just the reality. Like if they can't do enough to where a team could make an adjustment and render them completely ineffective and useless, either on the offensive end or the defensive end, well, you got other problems. Right. right? Because your roster, you only got so much money. You got a max right. player. Like you, you don't have right. the bench depth, you know? So um, so we, we don't have to go in a long debate on that. I mean, it's obvious they, they just – Gobert's just getting exposed um, annually, and so I don't know where you go from here if you're the Jazz. Like I don't, I don't know what move you can really make um, to severely or, or significantly alter your team. But uh, let's jump into the conference finals. We got uh, game two last night was awesome, man. Suns Clippers. I watched that whole game. That might have been one of the few games I watched from from start to finish, and it was back and forth. Like the lead never got above nine the whole game. Um, Cameron Payne dropped what 29, his his career high in the NBA, uh, filling in, subbing in for uh Chris Paul. DeAndre Ayton, 25 and 10. Booker had an off night, but like he made big shots down the stretch and he made this the screen to help free uh free Ayton to win a game. But I think you got a couple of things, right? I I think um Ayton's play. Booker stepping up as a superstar, Cameron Payne stepping up. And then on the other side, you got PG-13, who's held it down while, while Kawhi's been out. But when it came down to crunch time, playoff P, missed two free throws with nine seconds left. And ultimately, he, that led to the loss. He returned to his alter ego, Pandemic <laughs> P. Because uh, Pandemic P was hitting the side of the backboard in the uh, oh. bubble last year. And, to you know, we'll get to him, you know, later on in the pod but that just was inexcusable man 
inexcusable yeah. uh chance to put the game away you got lucky because Devin Booker broke his nose like I don't yeah. I some as somebody who lives currently still with a broken nose like I know a broken nose when I see one I'm like that brother needs to have the little thing stuck up his nose and crack that thing back into place and that is like really painful you're going straight off of adrenaline at that point right. I would imagine if his experience was anything like my experience you have like almost like like migraines basically and you're mm -hmm. probably seeing a little bit double and the idea that he still had 20 points and then they were able to use him as a decoy to finish the game like you got to take advantage of that if you're the clippers you know it was patrick Fi beverly finally did something for you he broke the nose of the best player on the other <laughs> team and you couldn't seize that opportunity to get anything out of it you know what i mean so i don't know uh, i'm you know, realistically speaking, Chris Paul might clear this COVID protocol, and, and, and that's a wrap yeah, to me. That's he gets to play tomorrow, game yeah, three. That's a and, sleep to me when Chris Paul comes back. And we talk about uh, and then you talking about they might have a really long break before the NBA Finals. Yes, because I don't think the finals start till a week. Like I think it's maybe the sixth of July, mm -hmm. um, if not later. Um, but I, I think, like we talked about, with, like with this series specifically, we talked about Rudy Gobert getting exposed. I think you're seeing what happens when you go small and you got a big man who's athletic enough to make him pay like DeAndre Ayton is getting, he caught about three or four alley-oops last night, including the game winner. And then he's just punishing him in the inside. Like mm -hmm. to the point where now like Zub Zubik is playing a lot of minutes. He started last night and finished the game. And even cousins has made two appearances in, in, in the last two games. Listen, we talked about it with the net series. I mean, we didn't talk about it just now, but they went small and they were playing what Jeff Green and, and yep. uh Blake Griffin Blake, as yep. power forward and small forward. Blake Griffin, by the way, contract over after this year. So he's not somebody who'll be back next year unless they can get him on a deal, another deal. He had come on a buyout, so he was only there for a million. They probably wouldn't wouldn't be able to afford him with what they had right. unless he takes some ridiculously small contract. So that's somebody that you probably won't see um in a Nets uniform, unless I guess they give him that Spencer Dinwiddie money or that. DeAndre Jordan money if they cut DeAndre Jordan. But point being, Giannis, when they started to see success, was after game five when clearly somebody had told Giannis, stop shooting at three. And in right. game six, he just went in the low post and punished them. Because I told you before, like watching them dudes play in person, it looks like the damn Twin Towers of old. Giannis just is like so thin and athletic that you kind of lose sight of the fact that he's like 6'10", 6 6'11", 6 yeah. and he has a ridiculous wingspan, like a seven foot five wingspan or something. So when those two dudes stand with their arms wide open, they look like the Twin Towers down there. If you go small ball, they can dominate you. Blake was trying to push him a lot, um, but that's why he fouled out of game seven, right? right. Um, same concept in in uh, the, the Clippers Sun series. When you have a long, athletic big man who can also run the floor, you can't just go small on them dudes. Um, and I also think that the Suns have so many shooters around DeAndre Aiden, unlike the Bucks, that they will punish you um, if you just try to, you know, go small, collapse on them. The one thing the Clippers did do successfully was put Cousins in and have Cousins punish Aiden with his size. And I think he got like 15 points in some short span of minutes, but he also picked up five fouls um, because he is mentally – a midget um and can't control himself <laughs> so uh, that's that's the downside even on the inbound play shout out by the way too to monty williams bro like former pelicans coach like he's really stepping up showing his value and like just right. proving that he's like an elite coach who belongs right. Right. um and you know just all he went through with his family losing his wife and stuff i'm, I'm pulling more than anybody else i'm pulling for monty williams so. yeah yeah. I'm not a big CP. And fan. and yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, I just if there's anybody left, I, I like see I like Devin Booker's game. I like yeah, me too. And I, I just like the storyline of Chris Paul finally getting one after yeah. all of these years. And after him like going down twice in the series, you know, fighting through a lot of adversity. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I, I mean, I'm 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 somewhat of a Giannis fan. The Giannis the person after I listened to the right the documentary on his whole story about his life in the draft and all of that. So either one of those teams. I mean, this, the Atlanta story is awesome as well. I don't think we need to talk much about the Clippers because I don't foresee the four uh, straight game runoff this time. Yeah, no, nah, not at all. I, I just want to point out with with, with Boogie uh, on the last inbound play. Like, like I thought, I thought both big men, Zubik and and Cousins, just dropped the ball. Like, first of all, Boogie, you got to get in front between the the pa inbound pass and the goal. All right. they can do is a, a goddamn alley. Point eight seconds left. What else are we defending here? And then if you what else it, are we defending? Why are you standing on Aiden's shoulder in the middle of the lane? Just go stand underneath the basket. Like right. literally, all they're gonna do is try to throw a lob like, at the basket. Right. Just, Anything where somebody is at the free throw line catching and shooting in one motion, I'll live with that shit. Exactly. 
What exactly. I can't live with is a nigga dunking on me at the <laughs> at the rim as time expires. And then the, I, it was just crazy to me that they then recalculated. It was like that only took 0.1 seconds. Let's put it to 0.7 and, and give right. the. Uh, that was wild to me. Um, but yeah, I, it, that that whole sequence, I was just in shock. I was like, how could you? I looked away for a second, um, and it happened in the blink of an eye. And yeah. I was like, how could they have scored that quick? How could they have scored that quick? And then I saw the replay, and I'm like. How could you not defend that? Like right. that's the, they teach you that in, in bitty basketball. Like a Reddy Park, we used to run a stack, and somebody <laughs> cut to the basket. That was always the one thing that they you always defended. The first guy out the stack who cut to the basket for the layup. You don't let that happen. Like, not to mention there was like literally ten minutes in between to try to figure out how much time was on the clock after the missed shot, right. um, leading to the inbound pass. So like. Right. Phoenix had no timeouts, but they had like 10 minutes. So, like, what is Ty Lue and the Clippers? Like, what are you doing? Like, y'all professional right. athletes. Bro. Defend get, the rim. Get, get like, the goddamn. Come on. Yes. Right. That shit's crazy. Um, Eastern Conference final start tonight. I guess when we post this, the game will be over. But uh, Bucks versus Hawks. <clears throat> Listen, you talked about it. Giannis came games five through seven, showed up. In game seven, he had a 40-point game. D- Double-digit rebounds. Um I do think the Bucks are going to overpower the Hawks. I just don't think the Hawks have enough outside of Trey Young. Um, but I almost feel like the Hawks are the poor man's version of the Suns. Like they they have a bunch of shooters. They have a guard who can get hot, score a lot. I think Booker is way better score, obviously. And they don't um, have DeAndre Eaton. Right. Clint Capella, Clint Capella is a, a length guy who can play defense and get to the rim, but he can't really create his own shot the way right. DeAndre Ayton has shown right. his ability. Um, so I think, yeah, based on that, they'll be able to keep games interesting because I think they shoot the three way better than the Bucks do. Um, so they can go on stretches. But, you know, Drew Holiday's calling card is supposed to be defense. And if he can make Trey Young look anything like Trey Young looked in game seven, um, that's lights out for the for the Hawks. And the and only I, reason they stayed close in game seven was because of Kevin Herter, which I don't foresee Kevin Herter. He's not going to be being guarded by Seth Curry, right? Like, right, you know, right. you can throw Giannis at him, which maybe Giannis will refuse that matchup the way he did Ke- Kevin Durant, but I won't get into that. Uh, even Middleton, though, would be a better matchup than what he had with Seth Curry, where, like, that's just – he had, like, four inches on him, you know? Right. And I, I think, too, you – it just you never know what happens out of, with Middleton and Drew Holiday on the big stage. Like Holiday shot thirty six percent for the series against the Nets, and that was right. the semis. So like you do as the stage gets bigger, I'm just not confident in Drew. But but I, I do think they're they're good enough. Middleton stepped up late in that series, uh, last couple games, and, and made some big shots. He made a big shot in overtime of Game Seven too, which I thought is kind of what sealed the game for. Him. Um, but I I mean I see the I see the Bucks in five. <clears throat> I, yeah, you know, I think that's reasonable. Um, the Bucks have no business letting the series go any longer than five. And realistically, given the Suns might be about to get a sweep, they need to win in five just to, you know, right keep so the pace. You don't want to give those dudes like two weeks off and but have I, a lot of time to scout you. I do enjoy seeing Trey Young. I'm happy for the dude because you know they made fun of him after that summer league debut, especially with the Hawks trading Luca for mm-hmm. for Trey on draft night. Just it, it's good to see him uh you know putting the work a lot for a long time they just said he was a uh you know good stats on a bad team guy so uh and trey young actually michael porter jr played aau basketball together in high school that was a dominant uh, basketball yeah yeah i'd imagine um so you know you think the hawks got any shot of winning the series uh i give him like a three percent chance (laughs) that's that's none don't don't bet don't bet on it Uh um so, look, I want to move on to the NFL. We had a big announcement. Uh, Raiders defensive end, Carl Nassib. Uh, because of Nassib? First you done made him. You, know, you done made him. <laughs> you know, <gave> his, <laughs> Islamic last name. It's a white boy with blonde hair. It's called you know Carl Nassib. <laughs> I thought it was. I, I thought I was looking at the name. I like, damn, it like the white name, man. But uh, it's a very white guy, man. You just try to make him like, you know, speak Farsi or something. <laughs> uh, Nassib becomes the first active uh, player to come out as gay in the league. Now, Michael Sam, if a lot of people remember, came out. I think it. It was in college, I believe, but it or it was before the draft. It might have been after this college season, but before the draft. But I don't. 
he played in the NFL. Um, but he ain't playing the NFL. You're right. You're basically. Right. He was like a practice yeah. squad. He made and and I game. always felt like he kind of used the coming out as the reason that he didn't succeed. But I, you know, he yeah. he had his game had some limitations less. It did. He he was he was an undersized defensive end. Right. Um, you know, so it but just who wasn't fast enough to play necessarily. Come off the edge. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and uh so so Nassib becomes the first guy who's active in the NFL who comes out. Uh, and got a lot of public support. Even uh, Roger Goodell came out. But, uh, you know, I mean. Daily school. dollar short, Roger Goodell. Yeah, right. Of course. But what's your thoughts? You, you think- I mean, Carl Nassib is like a, a 6'7", 280 guy. So I don't, let's got- just say I don't think he, he has to worry about too many people making any types of comments in the locker room. Um, he, he just signed a four-year deal with the Raiders. Right, so he's like, established. And he's a starter, right? Yeah. He's a definitive starter on that, you know, defense. 20 and a half career sacks. Right, right. So I think it's it's big for – I'm not going to just say the NFL. I think it's big for sports. You know, football is always con- kind of considered the, the gladiator sport, the warrior sport, you know, the one that nobody would ever dare come out just because um, of the implications. You know, the implications are that you're not somehow not tough. And so, you know, it would compromise um, the way you're viewed on the football field. But listen, when you're a six foot seven, two hundred eighty 280-pound uh, defensive end um, who's, you know, by all accounts holding their own for your team starting, on, right. you know, at the defensive end position, it's even a position that, you know, is considered one of the tougher positions on the football field. Listen, he's probably going to get comments here and there, but in 2021 – I think more than anything's probably going to get an outpouring of support. And so I like it because statistically speaking, we knew that it existed. Right. You know, there's a lot of guys, no point in me like giving rumors and stuff like that. But, you know, between all the gossip websites, there's always rumors about certain athletes in professional sports. One of whom we just kind of talking about the Sixers and whatnot. Right. Like, but it's pointless to speculate because that's somebody else's life. It's their right to, come out when they please, how they please, whatever, right? Like, it's their story to tell. Wait, and who so, are we talking about for the Sixers? I'm, I'm lost. Oh, man. You know, you know, I'd be forgetting that you're a dad and, uh, you know, yeah. whatnot. No, nah, I mean, there's there's been a lot of rumors about Dwight Howard over the years on all the gossip websites just about uh, oh, oh. women coming out, well, trans people coming oh, out yeah, saying I that did. they had, had relationships and, and even suing him and stuff like that. I remember Kerry Rhodes back in the day for the um, – for, he was for the Jets and the safety for the Jets and the Cardinals had same type situation on all the gossip websites. So my point is not to single those guys out, just that over the years there have been a lot of people who have had national media try to force them out of the closet. And if they weren't ready, they're not ready. It's nobody's business. And so I like him owning it. And like he said, he hopes that one day it's just not even a deal. It's just it is what it is. Right. Um, I think we're moving more and more to that point in society. So, you know, hats off to him for having the courage to just, you know, I hate when the cliche, live your own truth, but that's what it is. Like at a certain point, we all like just realize certain things about a personality. Like, yo, this is who I am. You know what I'm saying? I can't fight this. Like this is who I am and like it or love it. It's me. And so that's what right. he's doing. Yeah. Nah, shout out to the dude. In fact, uh, fanatics came out and said he has like the highest selling Jersey. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. so that's good to see, like, you know, people supporting him. He and also he plays in Vegas, which probably is a city that, you know, lends itself to not a lot of judgment. People are just going to be like, oh, that's how you live your life. Who cares? There's right. A lot of crazier things going on in Vegas. Speaking speaking of living your truth, Tom Brady is out here. Uh, you <laughs> know, he just didn't. Tom Brady won that Super Bowl. <laughs> and like I think he's like now you can't question my legacy. I yeah, left the Patriots and won another one. You can't. So now he's out here drunk, throwing around Super Bowl trophies, <laughs> calling out uh what is it, Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Yes. Like Tom, Tom is a little out of control. Like yeah. Tom needs to, you know, everything that like the the tight buttoned up Tom is is out the window. We always knew him for like his little snarky social media comments. Right. But but this quote, bro, this quote is just like it's super disrespectful to somebody. <laughs> And you know what? Whoever is, it is knows that it's them too. You know what I mean? He, he is who we always thought he was, right? Yeah, he's he's a the air rocks. He's an yeah, asshole. Yeah, he's right? an asshole. Like his mother, you know. And like some of those little quotes and stuff that were attributed to him, like I think he made a comment almost kind of like this about Peyton Manning, and it was caught one time, like on a live mic. Like people really think he's better than me. Like we know he's got that ego. All great competitors have it, right? But he really has it. And a lot of times, I feel like you know. People like him so much. Oh, it's Tom. It's Tommy. It's Tom. He's an asshole, right? right? And we're not mad about that, but like, it's just crazy to hear him like coming out the side of his face, just 
bold making boldly making some of these comments. Now. So so for anybody who's not aware of what we're talking about, Tom Brady came out uh the other day, maybe a day or two ago, uh, and, and basically was quoted as saying that a team that decided to pass on him and stick with their uh current QB, uh he, he made a comment basically saying you're gonna stick with that mother F over me. Um <laughs> and of course you know he and doesn't I quickly speculated that he was talking about Drew Brees. That's what I thought too. That's what I thought too. Because but. the Saints were kind of one of the top teams. It was Saints and the Chargers were the two teams I heard about the most. Well, word is according to like uh Graziano on uh, ESPN on Get Up, it's it's basically between uh the 49ers, where he's from, he kind of wants to go home, and the Tennessee Titans with a with two of the most serious contenders. San Diego was one, uh Saints two, but but they said uh 49ers in Tennessee were the closest to signing him outside of Tampa. And so a lot of people on the internet are speculating it was it was uh Jimmy Garoppolo because of kind of the back and forth they had. You know, he people felt like he got Garoppolo traded. But my thing to that even is the 49ers came off of a Super Bowl loss where they were up 10 in the fourth quarter. Exactly. So if you're the 49ers, you know, realistically you're speaking, not. how are you gonna make that move? And you got him under this big ass contract, which is the same right. thing to say about Ryan Tannehill. Like, right. these weren't easy contracts to get from up under just to go sign you, and they right. were going to require to give you money. So that's why I didn't really buy into that as much. That's why I kind of was thinking Drew Brees because at least that was a situation where the Saints could have moved on from him, and they could have kind of easily forced him into retirement. The dead cap hit was going to be significant, and probably would have affected our ability to have some of the pieces that we had last year but um i just thought that at least we could do it and also there was the tyrod taylor situation in san diego they had drafted uh right. justin herbert but they all were ultimately announcing that they were going into the season with tyrod taylor who's kind of a career journeyman so i thought that that's who he'd have been talking about one of those two situations but you know i'm not an nfl insider so what do i know yeah, man, Tom Brady, boy. But like I said, if you was talking about Garoppolo or Ryan Tannehill, yeah. I kind of got to say get over yourself because, like, right. that's just a quotable headline. But, like, financially, it's probably something that neither team could have easily done. Exactly. Exactly. So, listen, before we get into our winners and losers, I'm going to let Rob do what he do. Uh, and we're going to talk about this NCAA Supreme Court ruling uh, that came down just the other day, uh, essentially giving athletes more benefits and maybe opening the door for compensation in the future. So, so Rob, I'll let, I'll let you break it down. All right, I'm going to try to be brief. Uh, please. Something please. that I'm not very good at. But basically, the on. Supreme Court uh, ruled that it ruled against the NCAA, which the NCAA restricted education-related benefits. And so the Supreme Court overturned their ability to do that, said, nah, the school can decide what a student can get with regard to uh, education-related benefits. So now the schools can also give, like, graduate school tuition, study abroad opportunities, uh, computers, tutoring, vocational school, achievement awards, all that stuff used to be capped. Um, all that really does is take us back to a situation of the arms race, right? Like college football arms race, because one school might be able to afford things to do things that another school can't. Um, the big kind of quotable from this was Brett Kavanaugh. If you remember him from his confirmation hearings, he's the drunk guy uh, that supposedly felt the girl up at the party. And he said nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their products are defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. And under ordinary principles of antitrust law, it is not evident why college sports should be any different. And so basically he's saying this is a business, just like every other business, this whole idea that it's not a business is BS. Like they basically just say it's not a business because we said it's not a business. Is That's right. basically what he's saying. And so... Um, what that does is kind of just what people are saying is like it's just another, you know, knock away at the armor of the NCAA being able to say that players can't get paid because they're amateurs. Every time one of these rulings comes down, it um, basically sets the stage for like potentially another claret uh, type case down the line where the amateurism issue is, is challenged and then the players are able to get pay, paid or players are able to leave college early, all those different types of things. So um, basically the NCAA still kept in place most of the powers. They can restrict direct monetary rewards to athletes. Um, but the thought process is in the long term, if somebody wants to challenge that, this ruling will set the stage or help 
you know, overturn that. A quote like that from Brett Kavanaugh tells us that maybe, you know, uh, another challenge is likely to come in the next few years. In the, in the uh, words of uh, Rod Tidwell, show me the money. <laughs> it's time to play the play. And for all those who are saying that, well, it's not going to be fair, um, LSU, Clemson, Alabama, Florida State, Texas are going to play pay their players. Like, like we talked about, it's an arms race. Like, Clemson has a slide in their football facility. LSU just invested $20 million in sleep pods in their locker room. Like, it's it's already being done just in other way, other forms. Like, the schools have spending way more money than other schools and have way more uh, luxuries that that's certain that non-Power non 5 schools and even some Power 5 schools that can't compete with the upper echelon Power 5 schools. So, I don't want to hear that. Like, it, you know. The, the big dogs are always going to be the big dogs, whether we pay them or not. So is that that's not going to put a stop to it. But uh, let's let's jump into our winners and losers. Robs, we got. All right, my first winner we talked about a little bit. Devin Booker in Game One, man, forty points, thirteen rebounds, eleven assists. Without Chris Paul, uh, played the point and scored. Uh, went fifteen to twenty. Well, Payne played the point, but I mean he he was the predominant ball handler. 15 to 29 from the field in a game they won 120 to 14. Um, like I said, comes back out in game two, breaks his nose, I think maybe in the second quarter, still finishes with 20 points uh, and served as a decoy in the game winning shot. Got his team up 2-0. I love to see the camaraderie there. FaceTiming Chris Paul after every game. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like he's the big brother. And I, I just like what I'm seeing. I like the locker room atmosphere. Um, it's been a long time, I feel like, as, as NBA fans, where we get to see a season that's not just predetermined based on where uh, the stars went. This is an old-fashioned, old-school team that was put together um, more in an old-fashioned light, and they just added one piece in the offseason. Shout-out to James Jones yes. um, for winning Executive of the Year. And listen, I got a lightweight. Give Bron a shout-out. I know call me a Bron sexual if you want, but this is another guy that LeBron James put on, right? LeBron James decided that James Jones would be one of his vets, that he would take on the journey with the Heat and then brought him over in Cleveland. And for all those who say LeBron was the GM who's putting together those teams, I think what needs to also be acknowledged is when you're keeping vets like that on your roster, you're keeping guys like Udonis Haslam, James um, I'm sorry, Jawan Howard around you, those guys now we see are great coaches, great GMs, and that's all the type of pieces um, necessary to create kind of the environments they created to win a championship. So, Okay, first I'm, of all, you, you are Bronson. So <laughs> you, you're taking it too far because, first of all, I don't think – I give James Jones credit. I, I, I'm happy for the brother, but I don't think he drafted Aiton. Uh, Booker's a bona fide superstar, and it don't take a damn genius to sign Chris Paul. All right, so – but he did hire Monty. There you go. Yeah, I mean, he went and got CP3. I don't, you know. I mean, I mean, I also believe he would be the one who went and got Payne, who was written off um, by all accounts by that's, the. That's, no, that's you're wrong. You're wrong. I, you obviously you didn't watch the game last night. You was out at dinner <laughs> with a floozy because uh, they, they broke the story last night that Monty Williams coached. If you remember, Cameron Payne. Was the the guy who used to do all the dances with with uh Russell Westbrook? I can't reenact him, but mm -hmm. I tried. To. Glad we don't have video. Um, and Monty was the assistant coach, so when Monty got the job in Phoenix, he called Cameron Payne, who was playing overseas last year in China. So it had nothing to do with James Jones. Are oh, you gonna say it had nothing to do with James Jones? You just said James Jones hired man Monty Williams. He hired Monty. He did not. Okay, so when so when Monty wanted Cameron Payne, uh, who had to reach who, who had to do the contract? Who and, had and to so, have the final say? So who had to make the decision? I rest my case. Next winner. Next winner. <laughs> Simone Manuel. Simone Manuel is the black swimmer who uh, she was the, I believe, the first. Yeah, she was the first black woman to win an Olympic gold medal in swimming. She won it at the 2016 Rio Olympics. Uh, she previously had won two gold and two silver um, in Rio total. I think uh, on some relay teams. Um, she, she had previously, I think, for this 20, uh, 20 Olympics failed to qualify uh, for the trials. Obviously, everything didn't go forward um, due to COVID. And so just this past week, she now qualified uh, for the Olympic team. Uh, I saw some memes that, that said, you know, black women conquering land, air and, you know, ground. That being, 
you know, Shikari Richardson, Simone Manuel, and Simone Biles. Uh, so shout out to her um, for her work in the pool this week. And I'll turn it over to you for your win. Uh, I'm going to start off staying on that Olympic field uh, with Shakari Richardson, just 21 years old. She won 100 meters in 10.86 seconds at the Olympic trials last week, securing her spot on Team USA for the, USA for the Tokyo Olympics. Um, you may be wondering why I shouted her out, not only because she won Olympics, but she's a native of Dallas. And of course, she attended the greatest university of all, Louisiana State University. She represented us only for one year, but in that one year, she holds the collegiate record for the 100 meters at 10.75, uh, won SEC Freshman Track Athlete of the Year and a 2019 Bowerman Award, which is given, that's the highest individual honor given uh, in co collegiate track and field. Second winner is also, uh, you know, a local, Alvin Kamara, uh, running back for the Saints, who just signed this week with NASCAR as their first growth and engagement advisor. Well, he will work directly with NASCAR leadership team to assist with promotion, marketing and outreach to, to get new fans, uh, pre preferably a more diverse fan base interested in the sport since he only became a fan about six months ago. Right. I ain't mad at my man for getting a job. Yeah. Interesting with that. I saw on his Twitter. He shouted out his sister because uh, I think he just tweeted about NASCAR and then his sister um, knew somebody. I think NASCAR had hired, you know, a black person to work in a diversity uh role there and so his sister then created a three-way text because she knew that person she put his marketing agent i think from clutch sports um on a three-way text and boom that created you know when we first saw him go out there he w w did the flag and right. now he's got an office in an actual role another funny thing i saw on twitter was that um he tried to tweet at sean payton yeah uh, basically joking telling sean payton kind of like you know i got another job you better watch out and Sean Payton essentially tweeted back at him like, yo, can you see that I'm busy over here? And tweeted the picture of him getting married. Like basically like, yo, you didn't even congratulate me on my wedding. But you want to tweet me about your little job with NASCAR. Um, and so hats off to Sean Payton for marrying his bride, who's like 25 years younger than him or something yeah. like that. I used to see them uh, at CrossFit in New Orleans. Uh, so look like a happy couple. Hats off to him. Yeah, hope so. Hope this one works out. <laughs> Hater. <laughs> go ahead with your go ahead with your losers. Let man. me get tired losers. Can't even I, shout out the coach. Can't even shout out the coach on a positive note. Listen, listen. I keep it consistent, right? So my first loser is, is another LSU um, you know, former athlete, Ben Simmons. We talked about it, right? He collapsed offensively, um, lost all confidence in a playoff series. Again, it's it's the Hawks. Um don't see him being on that team. You know, like you mentioned, there's rumors that he bad work work habit. Uh, doesn't listen, only listens to family members who, who don't hold him accountable. And on top of that, there's some also some rumors that he might be shooting with the wrong hand. Like, dude, dude may need to be shooting with his right hand, which which is a problem at this point. Uh, but yeah, that's my first loser. Uh, I'm not going to get into him. Here's my second loser. I, I want to really shout this dude out. Thomas W. Harker, who is the acting secretary of the Navy. Why is he my loser? It's because a former Navy cornerback, Cameron Kinley, uh, went undrafted and signed an undrafted free agent deal with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, they signed him after the, the rookie camp to, to attend training camp. And so he requested the Navy delay his commission so that he could pursue his dream of playing in the NFL. Uh, Mr. Hacker denied Kinley's request and has refused to send it to the Department of Defense. Uh, and it also let Kinley know that the decision can't be appealed. So it's final. Um, Harker has also denied former Navy, pit, Navy pitcher Charlie Connolly, so he won't be eligible for the 2021 MLB draft, uh, which leads um, to Kinley requesting. Uh, he, he wrote his his senator to try to get you know somebody to write on his behalf to, to appeal the decision. So Marco Rubio um, has gotten involved and written to President Biden to ask for his assistance in reversing the decision. And, and you might be wondering why all this is a big deal, but it's because. The Navy has set precedent by and all armed forces actually have set, you know, they have done this before. They have delayed commissions so people can play. Uh, most notably, uh, David Robinson, who, who was in the Navy. The Admiral. Um, the Admiral. Uh, this is a long snapper for the Patriots. Uh, yeah, Navy, uh, I think their last triple option quarterback. Uh, they had a they had yeah. a fullback, I think, who went undrafted and they waived for him as an undrafted free agent. This kid is. Um, you know, similarly situated because I, so I, I was on Twitter going back and forth to some people because a lot of people were saying 
you know, this is what you signed up for, kid. This is what you signed up for. And what I said is curious to me is how because Navy has had a good football team for the last couple of years. And I said what I'd be interested to know is what Navy tells its recruits when they recruit them, knowing that they're going to be great football players. There's a reason that they have been going to decent bowl games and having eight, nine win seasons, right? Because right. they're making sure that they get good football players in their football field. And I think it's really unfair for you to potentially be attracting these kids, telling them that they will have an opportunity to defer and go play professional sports and then all of a sudden change your mind. What I was informed was that not everybody trains for the same role in the military. And so a lot of this depends on the availability of other people to do the job that you signed up to do when you signed on. I get that. I get all of that. But I just the reality is I can't imagine that there's only one person coming out or or that you right. somehow only have this this very right. small group of people. Right. That only three or four people can do. And now all of a sudden the Navy is going to completely collapse without this one kid getting to go right. chase his football dreams. Right. To me, it smells more like a change in a person who's got the authority to make that decision. And he's decided this is the way he's going to handle it. I don't know that for certain, but that's what it, it smells of to me, because like you said, the precedent that had been previously set. Yeah. And it's just a bad recruiting too, right? Like this guy would, would put on for the Navy. Um, I think Pittsburgh Steelers have a left tackle. I, I, can't, I can't think of the guy's name. It starts with a V, who I think um, was a, a former, I don't know if it was Marine or, or an Army veteran, but, you know, it's a great recruiting tool. And like you said, how can you go into the next football recruits house who you're trying to get to come to the Naval Academy? Or um, any military. Or any, uh, any military school, right. And, and, and it was say, Alejandro right. Villanueva you're talking about. He went yes, to Army. Yes, yes. Um, so how do you go into these kids' living rooms and, and, and try to recruit them, knowing that if they have the opportunity, and, and let's face it, right, less than 2% of, of all college athletes make it onto the professional level. So the, the likelihood is slim to none. So when you do have a, a kid who has the opportunity, let him go, man, and, and, and try to pursue his dream. So um, that's my loser. Second, Most wow. famous probably player, uh, military background, Roger Staubach went to the Navy. Most famous NFL players. Mm hmm Hall of Famer. All right. So uh, my two losers, my first one, the NFL. Uh, so this court ruling came out and what was was learned through these concussion lawsuits is that the NFL, they're now announcing that they're going to halt. But what they were previously doing is something called race norming, which assumed that black players started out with lower cognitive function. Um, so in the brain injury settlement, the one billion dollar brain injury settlement, um, there was this racial bias that went on when considering like the the cognitive deficiencies that players now had but when they were evaluating it um they were basically evaluating black retirees at starting at a lower level so they basically had a higher burden to show um that they were experiencing cognitive deficiencies so these standards you might think were something from like the 60s or 70s no it was created in the 90s um in hopes of offering more appropriate treatments to dementia. So when you talk about people kind of talk about like science having a lot of racist components within it, I mean, that's something that was created in the 90s uh, and something that science was adhering to, at least until recently, with regard to this case. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, there's some conversation about how that will affect um, the settlement and the payouts that were previously agreed to. Um, but it was a, a group of uh, civil rights attorneys who armed with the NFL players, made that challenge and got the NFL to stop. My second loser, Paul George. Pretty obvious. Anybody who saw the game last Lay night? Playoff P. I mean, pandemic P, you know, reared his ugly head. Uh, I, uh, all I could see was shades of Reggie Miller in the garden doing a choke sign and spike because <laughs> that's really all you can call what Paul George did. I, I gave him his credit when he – carried them to a victory without Kawhi Leonard for two games to win that series. But you got to hold this L because this is for all the marbles. You tie that series at 1-1 um, going home, you're in a decent spot. Now, no Kawhi likely coming back, but CP3 coming back and you down 2-0. What that Suns fan said after he whipped that dude's ass? Suns <laughs> in four, baby. Suns in four. So, um, yeah, man, Paul George is my second loser. That's all I got. You got anything else? Nah, man, that's it. Uh, I know this is your night to go to dinner since you hated it on my dinner last night. But yeah, I'm uh, trying to yeah. trying to wrap this thing up so I get out of here before mm -hmm. I get in trouble. Bingeables, bingeables. Uh, Fatherhood dropped on Netflix for Father's Day. Check that out. It. That was pretty good. Yeah, I actually watched that twice. I kind of, I mean, it's a it's a feel good movie. It's yeah. in a day and age of like, 
Yeah, it's just a feel good movie in a day and age of like not a lot of feel good movies. So, oh, uh, oh, I should say you're not a father that we know of. <laughs> Hater, <laughs> you're lucky my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, nobody oh. listens to this podcast. <laughs> uh, woman, my woman second in a window, woman in a window, awful. Don't, don't, yeah, waste time. you told us that last podcast. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need to get you checked for dementia for my high school football days. My second bingeable, uh, I've been checking out Manifest. I'm probably going to go check out Manifest after the game tonight. Well, I get a couple episodes in. I'm only on season one of three, but this is a crazy plot line. Kind of reminds me of, uh, I think Wait, that was Lost. You're talking about the, the plane that disappears and comes back? <laughs> you gave the people the whole storyline. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that shit was horrible, bro. <laughs> I watched a little bit of it when it came out on NBC. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I, man, I ain't been watching much. Uh, yeah, I ain't got nothing, bro. I've been watching these games. Apparently, you haven't talking about James Jones. <laughs> I mean, I still maintain that that is factually accurate. He was signed during the James Jones administration. Uh, the, I don't know why you're hating so tough. The fact that you try to give LeBron credit for that is what I got to I'm giving LeBron credit for, like, James Jones wouldn't have remained on an NBA roster if it wasn't for LeBron James. If he doesn't remain on an NBA roster, he never becomes an NBA executive. Obviously, he's doing that same thing with his boy uh, right now. What's my guy's name? Uh, who was with the Nets previously? That's at the at the end of that uh, Lakers roster. I have no idea who you're talking about. You know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> Man, we'll we'll start the, the the next podcast off with his name. Let's let's get out of here. Yeah, you stop reaching. <laughs> Bro, I better be a guest. All that loving you doing. Listen, you you the one that still still calls him your goat. By the way, he so. is. He is. I, I will give him credit for that. All right, let's get out of here. All right, man. Later. You gonna play the music or what? <laughs> Bitch, we stay winning. Oh man, you know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Yeah. Suits and ties yelling out, pay the guys, man, I had to do it for you.